It's a great day in Boston when not only the Celtics win, but also the Red Sox win. And that's what we're going to be talking about on this episode of the Locked On Red Sox podcast. And we greatly appreciate everybody making Locked On Red Sox their first listen of every single day. I am your host, Massachusetts Powers Team Insider, Jake Ignazewski. And I'm here with my co-host, Nesson Writer, Lauren Campbell. And we're going to be breaking down this nail-biter of a Red Sox win to help them extend their winning streak to seven games. And looking at game four of this Angels series. So we'll talk about that in this episode. Let's get into it. You are Locked On Red Sox, your daily Boston Red Sox podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The gang is back together. I'm hyped that we're on the same podcast together for it seems like the first time in a few days. But uh, it's it's nice that, you know, we're talking about some positive things with the Sox winning seven games in a row. Yeah, for us not being able to do a show together, the Red Sox have been making it pretty easy. And it's actually nice to talk about what's going right for the Red Sox, even though there's still things to work out. But for the most part, seven straight wins, things are going well. The pitching is really keeping this team together lately. It's just a lot of good things happening right now. It's really nice looking at that record, not not seeing a, a losing record or, or a 500 record. Now the Sox are 30 and 27. It, it looks a lot better. And what's nice is that we have sort of built up some ground on the Baltimore Orioles as we've joked about time and time again that, you know, we're one or two games better than the Orioles, which is is never good. No, it's nice. Like like you said, we joked around being like, oh, you need to build that ground over the Orioles. And they took it seriously. They've been they've been winning games. They've been winning close games. And it's just it's nice to see that they're not fighting for last place with the Orioles anymore, but whether instead they're fighting for that third wild card spot, which is what we want to see. I mean, we'd like to see them compete for, you know, maybe the second spot in the AL East, but we will take what we can get right now. Exactly. And, you know, even even though, you know, uh, you see the win totals, you see how well they've been doing. These last two games have been quite nail biters coming down to uh you know some of the last pitches and, and even in this one nothing win against the angels you know especially with how iffy this bullpen has been throughout the season you know they've been good the last few weeks uh for for the past month or so but uh you never really know how this bullpen is going to be able to finish out a game and, and, and what a job by this bullpen by danish diekman uh schreiber and strom just being able to uh you know only about one hit after Nathan Navaldi got taken out after five innings. Yeah, and it's nice to see in a in a one nothing game in a very close game because if you if we were in this position in April or even early May and it was a one nothing game and take your pick comes out of the bullpen, we'd be like, oh no, this is going to end very very bad. And there's still that kind of like that feeling where are they going to be able to close this out? But they do. They have. And yes, the Angels have struggled mightily lately. They are on a terrible losing streak right now. They just fired their manager. 
But these are the times when you have to take advantage of that. And the Red Sox have done that. And it's shown in their pitching. I mean, the Angels have Otani and Trout. And you don't want to face them at any point (laughs) throughout the game. But especially when it's a 1-0 game or even a 2-0 game. Because those are the difference makers right there. But the pitching has held it down. And I think that it's, I'm going to say, hopefully, that it's a good omen going forward. Not just for the rest of the month, but for the rest of the season. Very true. And, you know, a guy like John Schreiber has, has come up big for this bullpen, you know, only, only a 108 ERA. He, he, he's he been lights out ever since he got called up. And um, for, from what I remember, he, he just called up to fill, fill up a roster spot. And then, you know, he really started to impress and has really built a, a really good role in that Red Sox bullpen. But, you know, as you mentioned, Nathan Navaldi on the bump for the Sox went five innings, only allowing six hits, striking out five and was really impressive. Has, has continued to uh, not allow home runs like he did at the start of the season, which really plagued him. But I also want to give um, some props to Reed Detmers, the rookie for the Angels, only allowing three hits against this Red Sox offense that has been red hot, only walking two guys, striking out one. But as a rookie, uh, you know, he, he's, he's struggled a little bit, throwing no hitter against the Rays, but I was really impressed how he pitched. Yeah, it, it's. It, I always like seeing – rookies do well, even if it's against our beloved Red Sox. But it's, you know, the the Red Sox still have really good batters in that lineup. They are a strong offensive team. And so to see, I mean, I'm not going to sit here and say I love seeing the the Red Sox get shut down by a rookie, but it's got to give him some confidence going into his rookie season, especially during this 13-game losing streak the Angels are on. Yeah, it's, it's pretty crazy how much of a turnaround that the Angels have had. But, you know, that's why they say, you got to play 162. You can't get excited. You can't have the highs, the lows, especially early on in the season. I mean, we, we remember what happened with the Red Sox, like going into the All-Star break, best record in baseball, and then things went way down in August. But, uh, you know, really looking at it as well, one guy who has come up so clutch in the past two days, Bobby Delbeck. Uh, a player who hasn't really uh, found his stride yet to start the 2022 season. You know, he, he's, he's his batting average is still, uh, you know, 190 under 200, but he's found ways to uh, get clutch RBIs when the Red Sox needed it most. And I was really impressed with the poke that he had down the uh, right field line to drive in Alex Verdugo. It was, it was an inside pitch, was able to, um, smack it oppo and then would you also see what he what he did um two days ago as well uh driving in two rbis stealing a base it's it's really nice to see bobby delbeck really starting to find his swing it is because he struggled a lot i mean the whole team struggled a lot in april and a little bit of may but to see delbeck kind of stay patient at the plate take good swings and just get timely hits so that's what so it really matters. The Red Sox have struggled with runners in scoring position a little bit this series so far. And to see them capitalize, even if it's one time, because that's all it takes is that one time has made the difference a couple twice in the series already. So it's I like seeing it. I mean, I said it our two early predictions that he would lead the the team in home runs, which is just silly, but I'll take any RBI and hits and timely hits, especially that he's going to give the Red Sox right now. I was actually thinking about this uh, a few days ago that he's he's probably the best spring training hitter that there is. Like when you, when you look at like spring training production compared to like uh, regular season production, like his is way up here, and then regular season is way down here. It's it's crazy, you know. Right. He can hit six, seven home runs in spring training with his eyes closed, and then uh, 
he can't really do anything once the regular season starts. But, uh, you know, one thing, you know, even even though this uh, offense has, has been so good, you know, throughout the uh, month of May and in the start of June, they're still starting to creep back into some things that uh, really hurt them in April, which is, you know, leaving runners on base and, and not coming up clutch and with runners in scoring position. You know, that's why I believe that uh, not only this game, uh, was so close, you know, them only scoring one run, but last or two nights ago as well, when, when they were able to win six to five, you know, they, they, they got 15 hits and was only able to score six runs. But when you look at this game today, uh, they, they were one for eight with runners to scoring position and left 10 guys on base. And, uh, that's just something that, uh, they need to continue to work on. They, they need to continue to find ways to be able to capitalize in those clutch in high high pressure situations because uh especially once we start getting to you know September and October when these games are really going to be high pressure you need to be able to come up in those clutch situations yeah 100% and you know one run is not always going to be enough to beat a team the blue jays the rays the yankees and maybe sometimes six runs won't even be enough so you if when you're going you know one for eight, one for nine with runners in scoring position, there's, you need to be able to take advantage of those situations when you have men on base, especially if you're, if you have a runner on third, you have to find a way to drive them in. If you have the bases loaded, you have to find a way to get more than just one run. Those are the moments that the Red Sox really need to start uh, putting pressure on the pitcher. They need to start working the pitcher more. They have been showing more patience, but a little bit more probably would do them a little bit more good. And that's, it's easy, easier said than done. Just be more patient. Wait for your pitch. But when the bases are loaded, you probably want to swing at everything up there because you want to make that happen. You want to get those runs in. But just a deep breath, a little bit more patience, and scoring those runs because that's obviously what's going to win you games. But maybe this what they're doing now isn't going to work against the Astros, against the Yankees. And those are the those are the games in the series that they really need to win going into June, July, August, really down the stretch the rest of the season. And as we mentioned, you know, in the beginning of the episode, you know, thank God that this bullpen's pitching well, because yeah. if, if this was the April bullpen, you know, you know, uh, they, they would have uh, blown a save. We'd probably be talking about like a three, one, four, one loss by the Red Sox or something like that. But uh, one, one other player that, that, that I want to touch on uh, is Christian Vasquez. He, he's a guy who has, um, found a way to be one of the best players outside of obviously Bogey, Devers, and um, Story and JD, but uh, finding ways to really come up big when when the Red Sox need most, and not only with his bat but also with his glove too. There, there, was a, there was a double play, and he was at first base and was able to get this incredible pick. And I had to take a I had to take a double take, and I was like, wait, is that Christian Vasquez at first base? Because we, we know that he can play first base, but make, making plays like he had right there of, of picking the ball, uh, you know, it, th those plays are tough, especially for not a everyday first baseman. Yeah, and Vasquez is a competitor. He's going to go out there wherever you put him. And I know that he's had experience at first, but you could put him anywhere and he's going to give you that kind of effort no matter what because he wants to win. He knows that he's had down years and he knows that he's got a lot to prove more than just from behind the plate. So it's nice to see him be able to contribute to this team more than just being a catcher. So, but that, yeah, he's made, he made some nice plays and same thing. I was like, Oh, Vasquez is at first. I didn't check the lineup before the game. So I was just kind of going in blind and I was like, Oh, okay. 
It was awesome. His reaction to it was like, yeah, you see that I got that. Maybe put me here more often or something <laughs> like that. But, you know, it's it's really nice that the Sox really have that versatility of being able to put him at first base, put Dow back at third base if they need it. Because, uh, you know, we, we, we've talked about this with, with, with the Heim Bloom sort of building of, of, of this depth chart. Uh, versatility is so key. And what's nice is that, um, you know, you know, even guys being put in uh, different positions that where they might be uncomfortable, like, Christian Arroyo is, is starting to find a stride out in the outfield a little bit. You know, we're starting to see Dalback feel a little bit more comfortable at third base. He, he played in AAA, but has limited experience there in the major leagues. But it's really been nice to see uh, how they're pinpointing different guys at different positions. And it's, it's sort of working out for him lately. Yeah. And another person that's working out for them lately is Matt Strom in the closer role. I mean, True. he had two straight days of saving of save opportunities and he converted them both. So that was good to see. Strom's been pretty reliable, which is funny because you think back in April, you're like, who the hell is this guy? What is he doing in this bullpen? And to put him in a situation, a one nothing game, I mean, and a one run game, it's, it's scary for any pitcher, even if you are a bona fide closer. But I, I've been really happy to see what he's done. I, I don't think he's going to be the closer going forward, but it's nice to see that you have a little bit of trust in him to hold that one run lead, maybe two run lead, and just kind of rely on him to not blow the game open. Right. Yeah. He he's been he's been so clutch, and uh, I, when I first saw, him, I'm like, who the heck is this hippie? But uh, you know, we we all, we also saw some people, uh, you know, calling for Tanner Houck to be the closer, Garrett Whitlock to go back in the bullpen. But I know you and I. Have some, have some very um, strong opinions on both of those, so we'll save that for another episode. But uh, go, going into the second segment, uh, we're going to be looking at this uh, final game of the Angels series. Uh, Nick Pavetta is on the mound for the Sox, and Shohei Otani is on the bump for the Angels. But before we get to that, Lauren just wants to take a second to talk to you about Bill Barr. Yeah, I love brownies. I love chocolate brownies. They're probably one of my go-to sweets. And now Built Bar has made a caramel brownie with caramel swirl on top. And now you can have all that chocolatey, chewy deliciousness plus 17 grams of protein with the new Built Bar. It's called Caramel Brownie and they are available at Built.com right now. But you have to act fast because they are a fan favorite. They're so good. They might be better than my favorite cookies and cream. I cannot decide. And you don't have to worry about dessert anymore because these might be better than the than dessert. The macros are unreal, 130 calories, 17 grams of protein, and only four grams of sugar. And the best part is that much like every other built bar, the caramel brownie bars are covered in 100% real chocolate. And with built bar, you don't have to sacrifice tasty for healthy because you can have both. If you go to built.com right now and use promo code locked15, you'll get 15% off your order. That's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. And we also have an important favor to ask you because we've put together a survey here at Locked On so we can learn more about you, our listeners, and what you like, maybe what you don't like, and your favorite parts of the Locked On podcast. This is your opportunity to tell us what we can do more of, maybe what we can do less of. Go to LockedOnPodcast.com slash survey right now to get started. It will not take you very long. And everyone that completes the survey can qualify for a chance to win one of 10 100 Ticketmaster gift cards. To take your audience survey, go to LockedOnPodcast.com slash survey. Thank you for your help. So looking at this final game of this Angels series, 
as I mentioned, Nathan or Nick Pavetta on the bump for the Sox, and they have the opportunity to sweep. It's 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 pretty crazy. This is this is the first time we we've actually talked about them sweeping two series in a row. And you know, it's obviously like it was it was a nice easy sweep against Oakland, but even though the Angels aren't playing up to par anywhere close with, with their losing streak right now they're a good team they're not an easy team to beat and so uh it, it's it's going to be a big challenge for Nathan Rivaldi to be able to get past this team and be able to sweep them but um he's somebody looking at looking at these splits from April to May it's it's pretty crazy the drastic difference had an 827 ERA over four starts in April and then 211 in six starts in May like that a completely different pitcher is, is coming off of a, a great masterful game uh, against the Oakland A's pitching seven innings, only allowing two hits, striking out seven. And, you know, I'm very intrigued with how he's been able to turn things around. It looks so much more comfortable on the mound. He does. And I talked about this on an earlier show this week that he's just done a complete 180. I mean, you think back to 2021 when he started the season 5-0, and and then this season it was 0-4. He was all over the place. He looked like he lost command and control. It was just, I don't know what happened. I don't know what the change was. And it was just him all of a sudden looking incredibly confident, looking like a solid number two pitcher. And to have Ovaldi and then Pavetta, that's a pretty fun one-two punch right there because of all the even though he had hip tightness on Wednesday he still went out and pitched well he still gave the Red Sox five innings and was able to still be a valuable part of this rotation and then you have Pavetta coming in and he's just riding this momentum he's been so good and I mean it's always going to give you a confidence boost during a complete game against the Houston Astros but he's just really turned himself around and made himself so valuable to this team. And it, no, it's never going to be easy going against Otani. He's elite in this league and he can do it all in this league, but it's, I'm lo- really looking forward to this. It probably will be a pitcher's duel more than anything, but maybe we'll see another complete game from both pitchers. I think that's, I would love to see that. I love all these complete games that we've seen. I'm a big complete game person, especially now that they don't happen very often, but let's do it twice tonight. Cause I'm, I'm for it. I was just going to say, like, if you told me at the beginning of the season that Avaldi, Pavetta, and Michael Waka were all going to throw complete games before June, uh, I, I no way I would believe you. There's, or excuse me, uh, by like June 10th, there's no way I would believe you, especially with how good Michael Waka has played. But, uh, you know, as you mentioned, complete 180 from Nick Pavetta. Really nice to see him really being able to uh, come up clutch time and time again and has, has looked so much more confident, so much more uh, comfortable with his pitches. His command has not been an issue whatsoever like it was at the start of the season. And, you know, t- touching on Shohei Otani, it's it's pretty crazy looking back at what he was able to do against the Red Sox on May 5th uh, and ended up pitching seven innings, only allowing six hits, 11 strikeouts. But Talking about a complete 180, uh, that's what uh, Shohei Otani has been on the bump, uh, you know, over the last few weeks. You know, looking at what he did against the Yankees on, on June 2nd, eight hits, four earned runs over three innings. And then also against the uh, Blue Jays, even even though he struck out 10, he allowed five earned runs over six hits. So uh, if, if the Sox are able to watch the film of what the Blue Jays did, what the Yankees did, figure out how they're able to take advantage of Otani's mistakes, uh, be patient at the plate, and be able to you know put up that amount of runs. It'd be really nice to see that happen. 
Yeah, absolutely. And every pitcher is going to struggle, but if you can kind of mirror, like you said, what the these other ALEs teams have done against Otani and translate that to Thursday night's game, get this four-game sweep and get this momentum going into your series against the Mariners. I mean, the Red Sox look really good right now. They're on this really nice seven-game winning streak. They've looked probably the best they have all season. And Thursday is going to be a big test because it is Otani. The Angels eventually are going to win another game, but will it be at the expense of the Red Sox or will it be at the expense of another team? Right, exactly. And, you know, even though that they are riding uh, th this great streak, you know, um, I'm one of those people who is going to um, jump on the train that Jared Caravas and his podcast has been going on of, of like, don't say it, don't say it yet. Because anytime you and I have sort of fed into the Red Sox success, it, it, it somehow finds a way to crush us in, so, in, in some fashion. Uh, but it's been really nice to see them uh, being able to have success now over 500 playing with that swagger and that fun like like we talked about earlier in the season it's it's really nice to see this team um sort of back into that energy that we saw in 2021 yeah and this is what this is what we expected from them in april we didn't expect them to go well under 500 in the first month of april especially with this team but maybe it was just after all maybe it was that shortened spring training maybe it was just the newer guys trying to gel into the the roster and see where they fit Maybe it was the bullpen really not having defined roles. They still don't have defined roles, but you just look at nothing's really changed since April, like with roster wise, there hasn't been many roster shakeups. So to see the Red Sox just kind of, like you said, play with that swagger, play with confidence and stop swinging at every single first pitch that comes their way. It's, but they've been able to put together this nice win streak. They need to get out of this last hole, the, the last playoff spot, the wild card spot, but this, they're going against really tough teams in the AL East, and they're the Blue Jays, Rays, and Yankees are are nothing to turn our heads at. But it's it's going to be now. It's going to be fun because this is what we've wanted all season long is this competitiveness. And I think they will catch the Blue Jays and the Rays. They'll be competing there. I think even if the Yankees do cool down, they probably will. But they can afford to cool down at this point because they've just started so hot. But this is what Red Sox fans wanted. They've wanted this since April. And this is what fans expected since April. Better late than never, I guess. But now they have a lot of ground to make up. But they are slowly doing that. And one date that I want fans to really focus on is June 13th. Just because that is the first day off that the Red Sox will have over 10 days. And if they're able to find a way to, whether it's they win all those 10 games, whether it's they go, you know, nine and one, you know, I'd still be happy with that. But being able to have this amount of success with the amount of, um, you know, stress, not only on the players' bodies from from going out west, from from playing all these games in a row, it would be a huge W if they, if they were just able to come out of this, um, you know, like I said, 10 games in a row, nine and one, eight and two, whatever it is. Being able to go out to the West Coast and have that much success over a 10-game span is just going to help them have so much momentum uh, going into that, home, that, into that home stand where they play nine games at Fenway. Yeah, these longer, home, uh, these longer road trips are very important to take be, be above 500. And I think the Red Sox certainly will do that. And they look really good. And this is the time to take advantage of these teams out West to just kind of beat up on them, even though you're not beating up on the angels, if you're only winning one, nothing, but you're doing what you can to win. 
and like you said, come home and get that day off, relax, just kind of get back on East Coast time and start playing in front of your home home crowd again in front of Fenway and feed off that energy and keep this fun rolling. Exactly. Keep this fun rolling. We're going to keep the fun rolling Monday through Friday on the Locked On Red Sox podcast. But we greatly appreciate everybody tuning in to this episode and for making Locked On Red Sox your first listen of every single day. But make your second listen. Uh, Locked On MLB podcast. MLB expert Paul Francis Sullivan brings humor, passion, and unique perspective on every team in the biggest stories around the league. Follow the number one daily league-wide podcast locked on mlb on the odyssey app youtube and wherever you get your podcast also make sure to give locked on red sox a follow on twitter it's lo underscore red sox follow myself it's at jake iggy as well as lauren it's at la 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 lauren with four r's but as always greatly appreciate everybody tuning in let's keep this fun going let's keep this streak going and we'll end it how we always end it let's go socks Peace.